God body is simple. It means you see God when you look in the mirror and that the body of man is God and that there's no mystery God in the sky. You are God. Welcome. We're here with another incredible episode of the Anabolic Mind, where we get folks from all walks of life to talk about how they incorporate wellness into their lifestyle. And with that, I am very happy to have on my uh, last week's workout victims <laughs> and victim. Victim only had one. Because I didn't get to get to. I didn't get to to you yet, Derek. I supervised. But, but, uh, yeah, yeah. He he assisted actually. Shout out to Derek. Assisted. Training on 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 our last uh, attack. But we got CEOs of Pothead Parents and all around awesome folks. Let's give them a hand. Woo! <laughs> Ain't nobody here, so it's just me clapping. Yeah. I love no problem. That's all you It's fine. Hey, let, let's let's get let's uh, let have you guys introduce yourselves, and then we can get right into it. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. I'm Derek and Missy Fogarty. Um, we are the Pothead Parents. That is who we are and kind of our lifestyle. So um, there's a lot to us, but long story short, we've grown up in Buffalo, New York, lived there, born and raised, and we just moved to Las Vegas about 60 days ago. Um, so everything is all happening at once, which is huge. Um, but we're just, we have a lot of great opportunities in front of us. So our whole goal is we're cannabis educators for parents, for veterans, pretty much anybody that's looking to get into cannabis that has questions that just wants to listen to something different and kind of, you know, a no bullshit kind of podcast and lifestyle. But um, we have a pretty in-depth, longer story about our children. It kind of led us into cannabis and how it saved us as a couple um and just our mental health and just trying to help everybody and just anybody we can with mental health physical health and just being a parent because it is tough shit it is not easy yeah no, yeah i um, yeah, definitely agree with you with that but go ahead melissa hit let's hit your, let's hit your intro <laughs> yeah no so i'm i'm messy i'm the mom of the pothead parent situation that we have going on here um but like he was saying we just love to talk and educate on not only um cannabis but you know how it's used what it's benefits are medicinally recreationally um we try to educate from the silliest thing but the most basic thing of you know even smoking from a bong to how to uh roll a joint anything yeah i mean going to a dispensary we are just starting out with this business and we just want to incorporate our lives day to day as parents as individuals as a couple and then also i'm the mind, body, and wellness um, that we've incorporated with cannabis. All right. Hey, that's dope. And that's definitely a subject that's near and dear to my heart as a vet and as a fitness enthusiast. So you guys, uh, you know, I'm definitely happy for you to be here. Thank you for coming on. And what's your, um, oh yeah, man, my pleasure. What, what, what's your origin story? I want to hear uh, each of you guys' journey, and then I want to talk about how you guys met. So we'll talk about, uh, let's hear the origin stories, because like superheroes, like the X-Men. So what's your, what's yeah. your origin story? Like I said, uh, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Um, nothing crazy. Middle school, high school, local college. Um, I decided right after going to ECC, which is our local community college in Buffalo, um, school just still wasn't my uh, 
soup of the day, call it. I just decided to stay in the car business, which is where I started when I was 15, you know, just taking out trash, moving cars, kind of just the grunt work. But um, I decided to go into the Marine Corps when I was 21. So I was relatively a couple of years older than your normal, you know, 17, 18 year old kid going in there. But um, I just needed a change of pace. I needed a not a wake up call. You know, I wasn't, you know, a drug addict or anything, but I just needed a change of pace. So um, I was in the Marine Corps from 2009 to 2015 um deployed to afghanistan in 2010 2011 into marja afghanistan which is southern helmand province um afghanistan so um came back after that deployment didn't deploy again um then got out a couple years later but kind of where my story starts is getting out of the marine corps which is where a lot of that story starts unfortunately and it's never really a good one either um you know you come back with back pain neck pain migraines ptsd and you know everything else that comes with it um you you go right to the bottle you go right to the pills and you go right to the va because that's all you know and that's just you know what it is and i'm sure not if you can personally you know understand that but i'm sure you know guys and just anybody in the military that's been through it but um I got hooked on pain pills real fast i was at the point where i was going to three different doctors and not telling any of the doctors about it because once you get that addiction, it's something to hard. You're, you can't kick it. And when you go to kick it, you're literally going to die or feel like you're going to die from the withdrawal from it. So um, when I couldn't get the pills, I was drinking to, you know, put off all everything else just to go to bed. And then I realized I had a serious problem one day when I ended up in the emergency room and the doctor thought I tried to kill myself because of where my blood alcohol content was and where I guess the levels, I don't know, of respiratory or wherever I was because of the pills I was on. So um, I tried to, get off. uh, that was back in 2012, 13, 14. It was kind of in that gap. Um, and then we met, got together in 2015, 16. Yeah. Our six, five year anniversaries in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Thank thanks. you. Um, but at the point where we met, I was trying to stop drinking and get off of pills and she was too. Um, and it just kind of just jived together where like we didn't have alcohol in the house. We don't you, you drink, do your thing. I don't care. Like that's, you know, I'm not one to care about that, but um, <laughs> it just wasn't, I had to kick it for a lot of things, but uh, that's kind of where Missy came in. We met back in 2011. I think I was in the car business. I actually sold her. Oh no, that was like almost 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. 2011. Oh wow. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Sorry. Lies, man. It's crazy. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, geez. I sold her her first car. So she was actually a referral to me, a friend of a friend, <laughs> sold her her car, never talked again, no nothing. And then, you know, we both went our separate ways. I had a relationship. She had a relationship. They both ended. Um, and then we just kind of ran into each other on social media and the rest is kind of history. But um, I'll let Missy go into hers a little bit more, but my goal yeah, yeah. is just veteran wise is to get guys off of pills, teach them how to get off of the pills, get on into cannabis, into CBD. Just it's a weird transition, but it is possible. And I just want to help anybody that can do that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And thanks for your service. Let's hear your origin story, <laughs> Missy. Yeah. So I grew up in the South towns, which is, so he was the North town kid. I was mm -hmm. a South town kid and, uh, we never matter anything. So I have no idea who Derek was, but growing up, I'm, um, 
I was very much into sports. I was very athletic. I played and I played to win. That's like the Schuster motto in our family. Um, so I would play ice hockey, football, anything my brother played, I was into it. So that geared me really into fitness. You know, when I graduated high school, I didn't play any sports in college or anything. Um, you know, school really wasn't my thing either. I finally realized, you know, that first year of college that um, those struggles that I was having in school was actually ADHD. Um, I had a couple of learning disabilities related in, you know, um, you know, English and reading and mathematics. So it was interesting to know, you know, that all those years that school wasn't my thing, there was more to it. So um, it allowed me to understand myself a little bit better. But that was also a time where I was getting into drinking and partying and losing myself at the same time. Um, like Derek said, we were in different relationships when we first had met. Um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of those were toxic and unhealthy for me. That really changed me um, as a person. I was very depressed. I certainly um, feel like that's where I developed this type of anxiety. Um, and then also, you know, I lost myself drinking and um, like Derek said, as we, I had gotten older and around the same time that I had met Derek, that's when I stopped drinking. That's when I got back into fitness full time. Um, I started becoming a fitness instructor doing um, cycling classes. I ended up getting an opportunity to open up my own studio, which was amazing. Um, and then that evolved into me working with the community um, on a larger scale, which was amazing to be able uh, to do that, which then evolved into me help co-chair and run last year. Uh, and it was our second year, uh, Ice Cycle, which was a amazing cycling event, you know, out in the Buffalo weather, uh, yeah. all to raise money for... Cold. Roswell yeah. Park. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo weather is, it's cold. Oh, yeah, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse I've me. Some, I've done some motorcycle rides uh, up in uh, Buffalo. I definitely oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It gets cold. Um, so, yeah, it was amazing to be able to do that because we were able to raise $400,000 for uh, Roswell Park Cancer Institute for their, um, excuse me, their genetics department. Um, and so to be able to be a part of that and work on that all from just riding a bike and quitting, you know, alcohol and meeting someone that appreciated me and cared for me and loved me the way I deserved, you know, all played into, you know, who we are and who I am now. Um, with that being said, like Derek was bringing up, we, you know, evolved into cannabis right, excuse me, around the same time. Um, you know, I 
like I said, stop drinking. So at first, I definitely think cannabis was recreational for us. Mm -hmm. We had just gotten into, you know, this fun, loving, you know, amazing relationship. We were smoking for fun. We really weren't, you know, I wouldn't say smoking day to day. Or like no, throughout the day. First, can handle it. Yeah, it <laughs> wasn't. Two days. Yeah, like it wasn't really, you know, something that kept us maintained like it does now. Right. Um, and then, you know, we had kids, and we were using cannabis on a more medicinal healing level or for mental. ourselves. Mental. Two and one. Two and a half. Well, I say well, two yeah, and a half, one and a half. They're like two, two months away from the birthday. So three and two, boy and girl. No, boy two boys. Boy. Two boys. Almost Ooh. Irish twins are 14 months apart. So yeah. Yeah, they are boys. Bumps, bruises, cuts. They're nuts. All yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Every time they come back in, I'm like, what the hell happened? Just, you know, cuts all over the place. So yeah. I am. But like oh, go ahead, Mr. Dad. All right. No, I'm so sorry. So like Derek was saying, we um long story short, like Jackson and Gavin both had um, some medical issues and struggles. And, you know, Jackson is blind in one of his eyes now. I'm on our podcast. We definitely go into it. I would love to talk to you more if you're interested or whatever. It's such a long story that, you know, I would love to talk to you more, but it became healing for us as a relationship with cannabis and as a relationship with each other. Um, we're learning to live in a hospital pretty much. Yeah. We were there for weeks at a time, 24 seven. We actually got quarantined in a room for four days because of COVID. Like, I mean, wow. you like you learn how to like go sneak out and smoke and come back and like pretty much just how to keep yourself. If they, cause, yeah. There's yeah. big yeah. medical decisions you got to make for these kids. And it's like, People say, oh, you were high when you made it. I got news for you. If I was on pills or in an angry state of mind, it probably would have been a whole different decision. So, yeah, and we say this all the time. It saved our relationship for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I he, understand why parents with yeah. kids with disabilities, I say this all the time, you know, have not everybody, but have trouble in the relationships that end up getting divorced. Like it is, it's stressful. It's man. a I fucking mean, struggle. Not only is your kid sitting there and you're like, is this kid going to make it? Like you're worried about your relationship going to make it while you know, everything's going on. So, cause it's always tense. You're tense when a doctor walks in, you're tense, you know, looking at each other and wondering what the doctor is going to say. How is he going to react? How am I going to react? It's just so tense that it creates <clears throat> just this anxiety and it created PTSD in ourselves with the boys. It was a lot. And so, like he said, being able to go outside and, you know, smoke a joint and like Mm -hmm. take a breath and allow it to give us a moment to digest what the fuck is going on and how we are going to, you know, take it over as a couple and handle it and be there for our sons. Um, There was a time, I mean, we didn't even see our youngest after I had just given birth to him because, you know, Jackson, our oldest had an infection in his eye and we were in the hospital for a month. So, I mean, it was a lot. And so it all happened in a two year period. It was just like, boom, boom, boom. And it was, it was a rough roller coaster for a while, but it allows you like, Cannabis wise too, instead of being in a hospital and making a life changing, altering decision on your child who's 
you know, a couple of weeks old, instead of making a decision while you're one depressed and sad and not clearly thinking or two pissed off and angry at the doctors, cause we've been there and we've got stories about that, taking that step away to breathe, to smoke, to eat a gummy, to whatever, and just chill and get back to that neutral allows you to say, Hey, all right, let's figure this shit out. Like how many times we just sat in the car and just smoked and said, listen, no, one of the nurses is watching the kids cause they're sleeping. Just, okay, we do this. What happens if we don't do it? What happens? Like, right. I can tell you for me being old Derek, if I was making decisions the other way, it would have been a whole different situation. So it's, yeah. it's literally and essentially saved our kids too. And it wow. could have been a lot worse for them. Like my right. grandfather always says, I'll talk about later, but it's, uh, it's helped us just have a clear head. Yeah. And now I feel as though it's allowed us to, uh, create new space and, um, create what pothead parent is it's allowed us to freely talk and create ideas i just feel like it's expanded our minds our mindsets especially after what we've been through um you know on an individual basis and then as a couple as parents uh you know it's allowed more for us i feel we just want to show people it's possible to be a pothead or a stoner and be successful and be a normal good parent right. and not have that taboo of you know you're laying on the couch eating cheetos and playing video games i would love to do that every single day don't get me wrong but right, you right. Can, you're a parent you got two kids their lives depend on you you know what i mean right. yeah, i mean I there's because everybody has so much of a stigma when it comes to uh marijuana and mm -hmm. when you tell people you're parenting and you're smoking, they give you oh, yeah. a look. Like, yeah, like oh that. God. Yeah, what? what are you doing? But so many people are, are addicted to food, addicted to pills, and addicted sure. to things that are legal. And just because oh, yeah. they're legal, it doesn't mean that you're not an addict. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. now, that, now that marijuana's been legalized, I think people are looking at it you know, from a totally different perspective. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask, uh, when do you guys, um, when did you figure out that like, this is something that you could do entrepreneurial? Because we have a lot of uh, viewers on the Anabolic Mind who are entrepreneurs, and um, I'm always encouraging people to uh, follow their passion in their entrepreneurial uh, endeavors so that they're more successful because they don't mind putting the time in and the work in because it's something that they're actually emotionally involved in as opposed to just doing something for money. So when did it become a, when did you guys get the idea like, hey, man, we could actually make a living uh, doing I'll this? I'll let her take the reins on this. This is your typical, you know, I worked a nine to five for the last 12 years we had a good life everything was just kind of you know one two three four she came to me with this idea i said you're nuts i'm not doing it you know go away from me leave me alone <laughs> i'm going back right, to work right. and uh she just i just kept telling her like you know you're nuts you're nuts and then she just kept grinding away at it and kind of showing me the light here and here and here and here and then i'll let her explain it to you but yeah i mean i'm i first started um by creating a mom community in Western New York that kind of got uh, a little bit of publicity or quick numbers. So it allowed more moms to join in. And that created um, a space that I wasn't aware could be possible on social media um, because that was there to help me with some of the struggles I was going through as a new mom and now a new mom of two 
and one with disabilities. Um, and so being able to create that and seeing that that was a success um, allowed me to then evolve all these ideas that I've had. I mean, between me being a cycling instructor to becoming an owner to directing, um, you know, a gym's cycling program and then, you know, leaving that to become a mom and helping other um, businesses that were local with their social media because I was having success on mine locally. Just little success, but it made a big difference to a lot of these small businesses. Um, I really dug into social media and the benefits and the positives that can come from it when it's a marketing standpoint. Um, you know, that started with me understanding, you know, you need to find your niche and you need to, you know, dive in fully with them and give them your heart and soul and your real fucking energy through your phone or your computer so that they really feel you because what you're giving off is genuine. Once you start fucking doing that on social media, that's when you create an authentic, real audience. And that audience are customers to you, to what you're trying to be, what you're trying to sell, what kind of brand you are trying to give off. And that doesn't have to be based on money or, you know, monetary. It could just be on wanting to do more for the world, right? Or do more for your community, for your family, for whatever it is. Um, so with that, I started thinking more into the fact that me and Derek felt alone. And I felt as though, you know, all of my friends would go out fucking drinking with us and have families or not. Or, But the second that we would be walking up with a J to, you know, a family fire or like just a group setting and, and, and smoke our pen or bring a drink along, we look like assholes, you know, or we walk away from our, you know, I'm walking away from the kids and Derek's with the boys, but like they can see me and, you know, I'm a degenerate. Right. So I was a pothead. And my mom, my dad, they never agreed with it growing up. Um, it wasn't until they met Derek and I was evolving with it too. It wasn't just a recreational thing. They were seeing that we were using it in a positive way and it was helping us that they started understanding it a little bit more. So I was noticing that if I can talk and educate and give people you know, the truth of what cannabis was doing for me, what it could do for Derek, because he was super open about it, too, that I'm, um, you know, with social media, I just felt like there was something there. And I don't know what it is, but the brand per se um, just kind of came to me and the name and I wanted it to be a name that I. Uh, 
It's relatable. Relatable, but controversial in a sense. I want people to call me a fucking pothead and see how successful I am going to be being a pothead and how successful he has been being a pothead. Um, you know, so that was me creating what pothead parent was, but it's so much more than what a brand is. We want to help. We want to educate. We want people to lose this taboo of what being a pothead is. And then also learn, you know, maybe I do want to stop drinking and try cannabis or, you know, try to help, to help right. your parents. Like yeah, we've had like, people that have, you know, their parents are on cancer meds or going through chemo and they feel like garbage. And the only thing that helps them not be nauseous is cannabis or CBD. So it's right. the crowd is literally from <clears throat> zero to a hundred. I mean, it's, it's everybody. Our, right. our body has a cannabinoid system, as you know, you don't have a alcohol system or a Xanax system in your body. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's in your body. Right. Can you so to the audience, uh, what the difference is between um, CBD and uh, cannabis? Just yeah. So your CBD them. and THC are going to be your two different things. So CBD, the easiest way I explain it, it's not the technical term, is like Diet Pepsi and Pepsi. Like Pepsi is going to be THC. Like you get the sugar, you get the high, you get the whole body feel, you're good. Like, hey, I'm stoned. CBD, you don't get the high, you don't get the, hey, I'm stoned but it gives you all the medicinal benefits that um, marijuana does. So like inflammation, which is huge with working out, like, like my joints are shot. CBD helps uh, with joints, skin, your brain, um, sleeping, your immune system, everything. Um, and THC also helps, but that's more of the kind of psychoactive of helping you just, you know, kind of relax and let go and the pain and um, nausea and all that stuff. anxiety depression yeah. that's what you're gonna get from the THC and then again like he was saying with the CBD it helps a little bit with you know anxiety but not to the point that the THC can you know bring to the right. table and then uh, that third component are terpenes and so that's what melts together CBD THC and brings that all Smells, together the highs that's everything so and they're doing a lot more research on that now um, there's three different main ones I forget the technical terms because I am not a doctor I'm not a chemist I am just a very experienced stoner and parent so um, right. but they're there's a hundred different things you could smoke. Like the three of us could smoke, you know, this certain stuff and all of us are completely different. I could, you could want to go for a five mile run. I'll take a nap and she'll hang with the kids. Like everybody's completely different, but a good way to get into the cannabis world, as I call it, and kind of how I did it was starting with CBD. Um, take it at night. Cause it's going to make you sleepy. You're not going to get high. You're not going to see anything. You're not going to trip. Like everybody thinks you are, you're literally going to yawn and you probably take the best sleep of your life um but kind of ease into it with that if you you know if you wake up in the morning a little groggy kind of take half of it and then you can slowly start getting into marijuana and kind of feel feel it out from there but again it's not for everybody it's we're if you want to learn about it we're here if you know good bad whatever it may be yeah we always just say low and slow yeah very i hear you that's that's good advice what was your athletic uh background before joining the marine corps Derek? I was, I played baseball, football throughout high school, uh, middle school, little league, the whole nine yards, travel baseball. Um, I was supposed to go to college and play baseball. One of the only regrets I have on life, but what are you going to do? Um, but I did a lot of martial arts too, uh, Krav Maga, Muay Thai, um, like jujitsu, a whole bunch of that stuff, boxing. So I was into kind of the more violent, like, you know, in your face kind of sports like football. 
mm-hmm. um, and just kind of working out. And then I was actually, um, I was just telling uh, Barbara this the other day, I was six months out of getting my black belt in Krav Maga and decided to join the Marine Corps. So that is one of those things that like sits in the back of my head that you're going to need to whip my ass back into shape eventually (laughs) to let me finish that off because it's driving me nuts so um but i was just your more kind of football baseball boxing just kind of kid and what kind of injuries did you sustain in the uh, military mine were more just from uh, everyday grunt work you know i wasn't thank god in an explosion and then blow up in a truck you know i didn't get shot anything like that um but to give you an example like before you leave, and a lot of people probably don't even know this. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this. I don't really care. But before you leave, um, they have to get the weight of the whole entire plane to know, you know, who's flying, how much gear they got to determine the speed and all that. Um, they literally have you gear up and stand on a scale. So before we left, I was probably the best shape of my life. I was 180 pounds, just huge, good. I stood on the scale. I was over 300 pounds, just to oh, give you yeah. that idea. Just gear. Now, mm-hmm. that gear is on you almost 24 seven. I mean, if you're a grunt and you're out in the field, that thing's your bib. It's on you 24 seven. Um, that vest alone probably weighs 50, 60 pounds and you got ammo, you got water and just, I mean, the terrain, the running, the jumping, the sleeping, the moving, just everything. It just, your back takes a toll, your neck, your shoulders, your hips, your head, just everything. And unfortunately there's no, uh, you know, Hey doc, I need a quick adjustment in the field. You know, here's your adjustment. Here's some ibuprofen right. and change your socks. Cause that's what they told us all the time. Why? Well, don't know, but that was the young Marine Corps. Yeah. Change your socks, foot powder, I think. And then ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came home, it was like every day, like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get out of bed. I had to be pushed out of bed. Like it was just, my body was like locking up and I couldn't unlock it. Alcohol was making it worse. The pills were making it worse. Um, CBD started loosening me up. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Got into marijuana, got into smoking, and here we are. So it's, I mean, it's changed my life, literally. I've had migraines every day for 10 years, and it's helped me substantially lower that, which is huge. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's am- and what kind of shape would you say you're in now? Uh, I'm in like your, I could still fight phase. But for not too long, like right, as far right. as my body goes, like my head, my back, they're better. Like I tried to get back in the gym about a month ago. I was going good for two weeks. I'm like, this I'm is so great. I feel him. good. Bent over to pick up a dirty diaper and threw my back right out, fell right on my face. So I haven't been back since. So I'm that guy that I need to get back in the gym and I want to. But every time I go back, whether I go light, heavy or medium or ABCD, I am somehow always throwing my back back out. And it just deters me from going back to the gym. So I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that are unfortunately yeah. what I am. Yeah, that's why I asked you the question because you know, um, you know, in the military, you know, uh, you, you you're not supposed to talk about that type of stuff. Oh yeah, you know, that, yeah just that suck it up. Suck it up. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing is is to suck it up. And you don't hear many vets after they get out even discussing what condition their body's in. Oh yeah. You know, whether they be too concerned with their mental state, so that's a mm-hmm. secondary thing. Yep. You know, uh, but you, you just don't hear it. So I think uh, just the fact that you're so open about it is uh, awesome because people watching this who are in, they'll be able to relate. And then yeah, they, they, yeah, the VA keeps you pretty drugged up when you get back pretty quick of just kind of script, script, script. So you're pretty like zombie mode for a little bit. And it's that point once that wears off and they don't prescribe you anymore. And now you're hooked. It's like, okay, I'm screwed. What the hell do I do now? So um, and, how, and how does that work? They just decide like, after you've taken it, yeah, it was kind of when um, it was kind of when the whole pandemic or the whole 
thing with, you know, um, pills and everything and Oxycontin, the whole thing kind of took off. I was in like that kind of starting phase where they just started writing scripts because they didn't care. They just knew, oh, your back hurts. Yeah, take this, take that. Oh, that didn't work. Take more of this, take more of that. Um, it was just, it, it's just easy for them to kind of, I call it zombie you out, just, you know, get you in here, get you out of here, all jacked up on pain pills and get you out of here. But, um, it's just, it's, it's a tough process. And then you try to talk to them about like, doc, he, let me back up. Here's the one thing that they don't tell you about painkillers is people that are hooked on them are severely constipated, like bad. And this is laugh about it, but it like, you don't, I mean, you don't go to the bathroom for four or five days. That is one of the things that made me stop. I'm like, I can't handle this. Like this is wow. horrendous. But so like you go to the VA and tell them, Hey doc, this is what's going on. You know, I've heard about cannabis or this. And they're like, Oh no, no, I can't talk about that. But anyway, just try this, try this and this, and there you go back to the pharmacy. It's just a repetitive motion that you have to, unfortunately, I say grab your castanas and break the chain, but you have to stand up and break the chain or you're just going to continue down that road and it's not going to stop. Wow. Wow. That's very interesting. And how about you, Missy? Uh, what, you were, um, what kind of condition were you in before you guys uh, met and hooked up and, and, and became a parent and all of that stuff? What kind of shape? When I first met him, um, I was definitely in an insecure eating disorder, uh, extreme exercise place. Um, when I first met him, uh, then I started loosening up because I was in love and you kind of, you know, go into that phase when you first meet someone, whether, you know, you have an eating disorder or not. I feel like that happens to a lot of us mm -hmm. because we're just happy. Um, and then, you know, I just feel as though my whole life I've been struggling with my weight. Um, and then, you know, as I got older and when I met him, it definitely um, was starting to get at its worst. But I didn't think it was my worst because prior to that, I was, um, you know, fully bulimic and puking all the time, but finally had stopped. And so, you know, when I'm in this great fitness, you know, eating healthy, but it's because I'm not eating much at all, you know, phase, I definitely um, kind of lost myself and then have been going through that throughout our relationship, you know, up until now. Uh, but I feel as though I had tried every diet uh, between keto since I've been with him. I've gotten into, you know, extreme, you know, exercise, like I said, which got into cycling, which also evolved into me, you know, cycling twice a day and then learning that wasn't healthy and getting into weightlifting because we're learning, you know, we need to be lifting more and then learning, you know, macros. And I got into macros and, you know, that became an OCD addiction, which then flared up all my past stuff that I was finally feeling like I was healing. But I think I was just covering that shit up with other diets and other ways that made me feel, you know, in shape or thin, but it really wasn't solving the problem um, until, you know, I got pregnant with Jackson and I gained a hundred pounds and I'm Not figuratively, literally, literally, I gained a hundred pounds. I say to, that to her, like, good job on her, which is crazy because 
people say, oh, I gained 100 pounds. No, like she gained 100 pounds and lost it. It was literally to the dot. I was at my unhealthiest at 136, super thin, like very scary thin. And I didn't, I still didn't think I was thin, which is the sad part, or I didn't think I was fit. Um, so, you know, being 236 pounds and just had a baby and now, you know, struggling with the fact that. I didn't puke during my pregnancy. I, you know, overate and binged throughout my pregnancy. I overexercised on top of that. Um, I, I can't even explain to you what it felt like to be that unhealthy, um, but also carrying a baby and thinking, you know, you're supplementing it with fitness. It made me a hot mess. And then I lost about 30 or 40 pounds uh, within, what is it, three or four months. And then we had gotten pregnant with Gavin. Um, and I gained that 50 pounds right back and got myself right to 236 again. And, you know, it was wild. It was weird. It was a mind game that whole fucking time. And I struggled with my pregnancy. I puked every day with my pregnancy. I didn't enjoy pregnancy. And I think that's because I struggled with an eating disorder really bad throughout that. And I didn't save myself before that. What? Because I, I have an idea about this question because, you know, the eating disorders, that's like the big secret in fitness you know, if, if you're in the fitness game for a while, you realize that a, a large percentage of uh, the aerobics instructors have eating disorders and are actually teaching eight or nine classes a day just to allow them to binge. Wow. And uh, people don't really talk about that in, uh, in, in, uh, in the fitness industry. But I wanted to ask you, because, you know, you, you know what percentage do you, do you think of uh, fitness and aerobic instructors uh, have eating disorders, would you say, based on uh, your experience and you actually haven't lived it? Because uh, this is something that never gets spoken about. In the I have never world. met a person who is a fitness instructor or a fitness trainer that is completely healed or doesn't have an eating disorder. Never in my life. I have never yeah. met a fucking person. So you're saying 100%. 100%. percent. <laughs> 100% of the, of the people. that See, that's fascinating. That's interesting. And, and a lot of people don't talk about that. And again, I commend both of you on your uh, candor because that allows people to maybe address some of the issues that, that they're having because everybody looks at fitness people as actually fit, you know, but um, it, it, it was interesting. We're not up here. Yeah, I would see all of these um, aerobics instructors teaching classes. I did um, maybe 10 years in Bally's and then another five or six years working in Reebok Sports Club after that. And I would look at these uh, majority female instructors and I would talk to them. I'm like, damn, how many classes are you eating at, teaching a day? And they'd be like, I'm teaching 10 classes a day. And, you know, back then you had to do every class. And then I would just be doing the math in my head. I'd be like, well, shit, she's doing 10 classes a day. How could her body fat be so high? You would have to be eating yeah. thousands of ten thousands of calories and then that's when i put it together i'm like what it's gotta be binging there's no way no. and then using the fitness just to just to regulate and i think that's a that's something that really doesn't get touched even less than the mm -hmm. uh, veteran addiction you hear mm -hmm. that more than you actually hear about the fitness uh eating mm -hmm. disorders so that's a that's an interesting thing i'd like you to, uh, to talk about and address as well because no one hears about that and when, when i do tell people that they're shocked they're like, yeah what? 
like I said, I feel like a lot of us, we end up morphing into whatever we know. Like, I feel like we're all past the fad diet stuff, or at least most of us are, but we fall into, you know, whatever's going on in the fitness industry when it comes to nutrition. I've seen so many of us evolve, whether, you know, it's exact meal planning or, you know, having it delivered to your house or, you know, doing your macros to the exact number, like I said, keto or intermittent fasting or, you know, we've all taken these and gone to the extreme to them. I, like I said, I've talked to so many fitness instructors and at least 99 to hundred percent of them have, you know, said they have done one of those things. Right. And we all know that at some point when you go to the extreme with those things, it's unhealthy. Yeah, and Exactly. And most of the time, those people that I'm talking to, that is what they've healed themselves with. That's like I said, you know, when you go to the extreme, like me, who, I mean, I was puking every single meal up, you know, from the time I was, I don't know, like 17 years old till, I mean, I still struggle not on a day-to-day by any means now, but I mean, it's still a part of my life. And so, you know, all these things ended up being better to me and to my body Mm -hmm. that, that it just seemed easier and better. And I was doing something healthy and it wasn't me having an addiction to anything because we all think these are healthy things and we haven't seen anyone really struggle with these things. Uh, that I just feel as though no one's ever going to be healed by these things. And so many of us are addicted to it, uh, especially in the health industry. I feel like we all have our addictions. You just got to learn how to tame them yeah you know i mean, I mean? So you're always addicted to something whether that's it's real, that's out cigarettes For shitty sure. food whatever you For sure. to- i don't even think you need to be in the fitness industry when i'm looking back into my life and you know healing myself from you know certain generational things it doesn't have to say you know you know my mom and dad were horrible people by any means that's not what i'm saying they just taught me what they learned and what they, they evolved right. from And what they wanted to do better for us. Right. So, you know, the things that my mom taught me from what she learned of being, you know, a child in Colombia in a third world country and, you know, evolving, you know, what her family and, and what she was brought up with to what I learned, you know, I'm understanding like my mom had eating disorders, she still yeah. struggles with shit. Um, I struggle with shit. Oh, I'm learning my grandmother thinking about things, struggled with stuff on my father's side, my dad. Now, like, I'm noticing, like, all these things are actually happening, and that's not just my family. I look back into going to dinner at other families' houses, like my friends growing up or, you know, other family members or whatever, and I'm learning, you know, all of us have these generational things in our heads. It could be anything from you must finish your plate. Yeah, I was taught that. Italian. Yeah. You wait till you yeah. puke. Yeah. Yeah. If your grandmother or your nana said, hey, do you want more? And you said no, it's like that was insulting. And you yeah. just ate to make her happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I've but then your papa's going to tell you that you got a little chunky this this winter. 
Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a thing. It's just how they were. And so it's just like, like a fucking mind game yeah. in our heads. As you're saying all of this stuff, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what my mom used to say. Finish your plate, even if I was full. Mm-hmm. Eat it all. <laughs> you know, oh, these yeah. are all the things. I'm that, have you know, a cigarette after. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and they thought they were doing the good thing, but that's all. That's all they knew. All they knew. You like, know, I'm yeah. not mad at them. It's just it's what it was. Like, yeah. I'm not what's, doing your, it. what's your relationship with food now? Like, what are you eating, uh, Missy? Uh, on a, how do you do it? Like, you know. I'm I'm not going to lie. I had a breaking point when Jackson was actually in the hospital a year ago. Um, we had to go like October. old cool Marine Corps boot camp on her. It couldn't. It was like yeah. a blessing in disguise. She was trapped in a hotel with me while this uh, happened. No, in the hospital. Or no, sorry, not hotel. She's in a hospital um, and she couldn't get out. And it was just like, there was a couple of bad days where she would not eat and eat and we dealt with it. And then slowly but surely she kind of came back. So it was I, like a, I had lost myself thing, with the bulimia after that, after having the babies, when I was stressed out with Jackson, uh, right. you know, Gavin was just in the hospital. All of that built up inside of me. And um, I felt as though that was my only release and the only thing I've had control over at that time. And, you know, I puked up blood. And at that moment, I scared the shit out of myself because prior to that, I had promised myself I would never do this stuff again. But there was something in me that pushed me and I, you know, it is what it is. Um, And so I communicated that with Derek. I wanted to get help and we were talking about it. But at the time, then Jackson was starting to, you know, start showing signs of infection in his eye. And then, you know, we're jumping into the hospital. And like he said, you know, it was a blessing in disguise and he saw me not eat for days in there and then slowly eat something and then slowly eat something else. And then, you know, I the one point your breaking point, this kind of just remembers when the nurse looked at you and I kept telling him like, miss, you look like shit. Like, and this was, this is my tough love with her. She understands how I am. I'm like, miss, you don't look good. Like you, you're not hiding this anymore. Mm-hmm. This is now a physical problem and the whole world sees it. We had a nurse come in. Didn't you almost pass out? I think she yeah. stood up and was blacked down. The nurse was like, honey, what's wrong with you? You're okay. And I told her, I said, she's not eating. And the lady, I think had a pep talk with her or something. I don't know what she did, but it was like a blessing in disguise that like, you know, everything got on track, but it was, it was bad. She was at the point she was standing up and passing out. Yeah, and I literally looked at her and I'm like, miss, like it's hitting you in the face. Literally. I don't know what the, you're knocking on the fucking door right now. Like right. It, we couldn't have been in a better spot. I'm. But. But since how, about you, Derek? How, how are you with food? I eat like shit. I eat like a like my two year old kid. But it's I'm one of those dudes that I fortunately can eat whatever I want whenever I want. And as long as I don't just sit still, I won't get fat, which is a fucking she struggle to live with. I'm that guy. But, I hate people like that. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. But the insides of me probably look like shit. So that's the other problem. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, actually, you know, people get the telltale warning sign because. Oh, yeah, know. exactly. And I've had some things like like the stress and the way I was eating, like out my hair started coming out. I was like, holy shit, I'm literally losing my hair. Now that we've changed our course in life, that's not happening anymore. What a shocker. But um, literally the stuff that's inside of you just rotting comes out through your skin. It comes out in your head, my migraines, your emotions, your mood, your everything. Yeah. Literally. And it was just like, I know now, like I can't eat too much shit because it'll trigger a migraine for me. Right. I'm taking my meds. I'm going to be take a four hour nap. I'm going to throw up. Like it's a whole process yeah. that I don't want to go down. So I'm actually pretty good at cutting myself off. 
um, with like, hey, you know, we're stoners. We get the munchies. If I'm pounding right. ice cream, I'm like, all right, I have that shutoff valve, thank God. But I think right. that's also kind of helped her to go, right. okay, he's done, I'm done. Like kind of just shut it off, throw it out, I'm done. Um, but I got to eat better. I try to get a water here. It's sparkling water, but. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. it's evolved for both of us because like I said, I ended up getting therapy and understanding, you know, what it feels like to be full and not half. You don't you could talk to your therapist and she told me you don't have to finish your plate, even though I've always learned that and always had that stuck in my head. So just understanding those types of things allowed me to get into just eating until I felt full and eating the things, you know, that I wanted and understanding, you know, the woman's body. Cause that's a hot fucking mess as well. And then, you know, with him, like you said, just him wanting to eat a little bit healthier, definitely made it a little bit easier. Us having less bullshit in the house. I don't know what it is, but it's like when you have the munchies back, you know, it becomes a thing. So just it's bad just habits. Like we're talking yeah. about it. You can have good habits, bad habits. It's we're living in a hospital. I mean, we're eating hospital food, DoorDash three times a day, uh, you know, vending machines. Like I had a, I had a migraine every day. I felt fucking horror. I actually threw up in the hospital a couple of times. Now that I think about it, that's how bad the inside of me was. But you wow. got to literally, again, just look yourself in the face and change it. And how about a therapy for you, Derek? Was that, was it helpful? Did you find that it helped you? Or did you just, I've got a, uh, you talking about like therapy in general, or yeah, yeah, like your your experiences. I'm sure you've had a couple of different. Oh, I've been through every therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist. From my parents were divorced when I was 15, so they kind of you know force you into counseling, and I just started mm-hmm. off with a horrible experience, and it just went from there. Um, I found that me talking to somebody right now doesn't necessarily work for me because unless you've been there with me, understand it, like. I'm kind of just wasting my time and your time and no due respect. But if you can't vibe or understand what I'm talking about, I don't want to, you know, get into it. But I've personally found that and just started doing this about a week ago. Um, the therapy for me was smoking and kind of calming down. But I have personally gotten more into the kind of psychedelic area with Missy. And we're not, you know, eating mushrooms, walking around the house with our kids, but for therapy, like microdosing and actually right. yeah. yeah, and taking a trip and having that come to Jesus meeting with yourself and saying, Hey, you need to let your ego go. Um, there's actually a place out here in Vegas called, um, desert ketamine clinic. Um, and I'm doing this myself cause I will never recommend anything to anybody unless I do it. And she's the same way where they use ketamine legally to, um, get rid of anxiety, depression, eating disorders, chronic pain. I mean, everything, I did this uh, a week ago, and when I tell you this was an experience I've never experienced in my life, it was wild, but it's like six different treatments, and it's essentially supposed to go into your brain and just kind of you know, hit the reset button, kind of, okay, reset, reset, reset. And, and, and it works. I will tell you the day after I did it, like I was thinking clear, and this is no bullshit. If it was garbage, I'd tell you. Like I felt clearer. I was thinking clearer. I could you know, just do things a lot better, and I felt better. Um, you know, you could feel it wear off after a couple of days, but that's why you have to continuously go to do it. And then I think it's like you go once a month after that, but, and then it just phases off or you can go, you know, however yeah. you feel. But that therapy for me, like it was the first time my brain has literally just stopped. Like I didn't think I didn't, I don't even know how to explain it. I literally watched a turtle swim for like two hours on a TV and it was just the best thing in the world that it just shut your brain off. And for me, when I came out of it, it was like, 
okay, this is what peace is. This is what quiet feels like. It's okay. I'm here. Like it was a whole, that was my therapy for me. Me talking to somebody doesn't really do it. Maybe talking to somebody afterwards might help, but everybody's different. And how about you, Missy? What was your experience uh, in therapy? Uh, did you find it beneficial or did you, you find the inner journey more effective? Um, I definitely think that me getting, um, I want to say over that extreme hump of some generational things that I talked about with my therapist that, you know, started making things click for me, um, allowed me to like kind of heal myself and talking through things with her. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I was also realizing as I'm mending myself and talking about, you know, these things, all these other amazing things were happening in my life because I was freeing up my mind um, of the bullshit and allowing my mind to manifest and evolve and grow and change and learn um, based on, you know, what I was learning through therapy or what I wanted to change or how I wanted to grow that, like I was saying, like, that's when, you know, pothead parents started coming to me and what I wanted to do with it and how I, you know, wanted to help the community more with this. Um, and then talking to Derek more about it. And then I started, you know, really diving in with certain things with my therapist and, it just allowed me, she just allowed me to, I don't know, like she didn't guide me in any way, but it was like, she was like lighting the way, even though I knew where I was going. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't, it was just such a way of me self-realizing things by just throwing things at her. It gave me a soundboard. It allowed me to have someone to just talk freely to. I didn't, I'm not a, someone who could just journal shit down. I wasn't that person. You know, I, I don't, me and him are yin and yang. You know, he is that strict, you know, to the point, rough and tough, which helps a lot of times for me. And I need that shit sometimes, but I'm the emotional one. I'm, you know, the one who needed someone to talk back with me on what I was feeling and how I was feeling and the ideas I was having. Um, so therapy for me, I just feel though is when you find that right person. Cause I've gone to therapists before and I've gone once and never gone back or felt like I am a crazy person to them. Or, I mean, I've gotten help mm -hmm. or tried to get help in the past for my bulimia and, you know, uh, well, why are you acting that way? You're so beautiful. I thought you'd be much bigger than that. Like what? Wow. Wow. You know, like, and that's in college and that's something that stuck with me. And it was just like, oh, okay. Like, I guess that's how I'm supposed to think about this, you know? So it's like, I've been through so many shitty things that have fucked me up more that it was amazing to have finally found someone and it sucked. 
because I had to be at my fucking worst and feel at my fucking worst with that one piece of me that is still haunting me and I still need to fix fully. And I feel as though when I do that to another level, that's going to take me to another level at life. And that's going to bring new manifestations and new goals and new things for us to grow on and evolve on and do in our relationship as parents and as now business owners. So a lot of that has to do with this. It's, you our know, new therapy is this helping other people through ourselves. You know what I mean? We yeah, get yeah. bigger and fight every day, just like everybody else. Does, yeah. You know what I mean, like real I people. Mean, so for me, my therapy, uh, I've been to therapy, you know, with different therapists in and out. Even uh, I have one of my clients, um, uh, James, this was his name, many, many years ago. And uh, he was like, dude, you know, why don't, you know, I have the best therapist in New York. Uh, why don't, instead of uh, me paying you for the sessions, I'll pay the therapist and you go to therapy. And yeah. I was like, damn, am I that fucked up that actually this... <laughs> <laughs> the client was like, yo, you need to go to therapy. So, you know, I, I took him up on it and, um, you know, I'm in the therapy and, uh, you know, we're doing the sessions. I'm training the guy. And, you know, after like a week or two, he's like, dude, you know, you know, I could help you if you told a bit of a truth, if you told like 1% of something that was honest. But yeah. if you're going to sit here and bullshit, you're not going to work past your issues. So, you know, not only do you have to have the right therapist, but you actually have to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that was, in the big yeah, that was the biggest, the hardest part for me is just um, uh, uh, being honest about what I was going. Because as a guy in prior military, you're always internalizing. You don't want to show any weakness. Yeah, it's an ego problem. Mm -hmm. yeah, that was the barrier. Yeah, exactly. It was an ego. That was the biggest barrier for me, uh, uh, getting any benefit out of therapy. So yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how each person has a different take on uh, therapy and, and what's actually therapeutic. But I right. wanted to ask, um, when did you move to uh, Nevada? Like, how did that decision happen? About two months ago. <laughs> so you know, so yeah. we were in Buffalo for, well, I mean, I'm going to be 35. She's, what, 33? Been there Almost, for 30 yeah. plus years. But um, after pretty much just what we talked about, we had this conversation of, okay, let's see if we can make this work and figure it out. And we literally put our house on the market. I quit my job of... 12 plus years um everybody was like uh, did you guys murder people are you on the run did you like bury somebody in your backyard we, we just took off said i'm out like why did you, uh, you pick nevada a couple of reasons um her publicist uh barbara is in la so for uh, for her to be in la for us to be in buffalo like you can really only do so much the commitments there but for us mm -hmm. to be you know committed to for example, like to come meet you, to come here, to talk to you, like we would never be able to do this in New York mm -mm. working 40 hours a week. So no. we wanted to be closer to her, but we also know that Vegas is a very up and coming um, cannabis market right now for everything, dispensaries, education, retail, um, consumption lounges are opening, like everything is happening out but here But it's right in now. that toddler stage, I feel like, where New yeah. York, where we were. There's nothing in New York. It's in its infancy. Every right, like right. recreationally legal, we could smoke wherever you could smoke cigarettes, but, but you, you can't, can't buy, buy it, anywhere. it anywhere unless mm. you have a you know a card and it's medicinal. So you know we weren't gonna be able to talk to the people that we needed to, and at Get that right time, message. I was 
you know, talking to some really amazing people in the industry who were responding back and loving my idea of what pothead parent is and what it's going to be and how we want to educate and how we want to collaborate with other small uh, businesses and work with, you know, our legacy cannabis dealers and people who have been at this their whole entire fucking lives and there are some people that are still in fucking jail for this shit um you know yeah, so it's really. like we you know with the last prisoner project right away one of the co-founders spoke to me and you know it was me just plugging and plugging and plugging away emails you know random fucking calls messaging on instagram looking up who's auntie's sister's brother's uncle is related to this guy you know and in trying to make those connections and not fucking stopping is what got us to this point of us meeting barbara through you know one of her partners carmen who heard me and read my message randomly and who has hundreds of thousands of followers and i just fucking just threw shit at the walls and explained to her where my heart was and what more was going to come. Um, that that's all this is. It's just manifesting and creating what we can. And Vegas was the perfect place for us, especially with the boys and especially with us having a family and especially because California is in its teenage stage. I feel right. like it's way behind beyond and same with Colorado. That wasn't going to work for us either. And, you know, with Vegas, there's constantly conferences and people we can network mm -hmm. and meet and talk to and create relationships with. Right. And plus yeah. with California too, I mean, you got Camp Pendleton. That's like half the size of California. That The base is huge that you've got guys literally going, okay, here, see ya. Thanks for going to war. Uh, good luck. Like I would rather be right there for them to go. Okay. Here we are. How do I transition? So I mean, that's, those are our people. It's, you know, they're military people. And I run into them in the store every single day, which is weird for my brain to reset to that kind of time in my life. I'm like some Air Force dude in front of me. This is weird. Like yeah. New York, you don't see that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. it was just you got to be in the right set and setting, which is for cannabis, for mushrooms and for life. Like you can't you can only do so much, you know, 2,500 miles away, 3,000 miles away. It's just, this was a huge opportunity for us. We sold right. our house. We rented a four by eight U-Haul and took our 3,200 square foot house down to 40 square feet. Our forever think. home that we thought was forever. Yeah, packed it up, sold off everything. And uh, here we are. You got to do things right. to the fullest to make shit happen. Yeah, now, again, that's easier said than done. And everybody could be like, oh, they did this and had that. I, I don't care. You know, we're all people. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. But the one thing I always say is you're not going to do it unless you do it. Like, you can sit here and talk about it all. Oh, that'd be cool. Well, until you yeah, actually say, cool. you know, fuck it, I'm doing it. You're never going to do it. Right. And it's not just wishing it either. It's Derek who was able to grind his ass off at work constantly so that I could be home with the kids and coming up with ideas and working and doing all these different Team things. It, it, it's he was able to get us our forever home and it's from him working and it just created an opportunity for us to do this, to pick up our shit, to grab our kids and to move and to make this investment in ourselves. That's dope. You know, and I, I love the way you guys balance each other. You really complement each other. You know, you can see. Oh, that's why we're getting bickers all the time. It's like we're almost too much of the same person, but we are very yeah. good at, uh, yeah, the yin and we're yang so, type thing. We're so. so different, but it works.
Yeah, yeah, but that's that's perfect because you balance each other. You both have oh, absolutely. That each of you lack so that you know that's the, that's the making of a great couple. Thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice to see. But I just before we keep on going, I just want to um, give Barbara Sanchez a shout out because you know she's uh, my publicist as well, and she connected us. And speaking of grinder, as soon as you say grinder, I said, you know oh. what? Let me just take a second out to <laughs> to shout Barbara out okay. the ultimate grinder. Uh, Barbara, we appreciate you. Uh, thanks for connecting us. Now. Now let's keep going. Thanks, Barbara. Let's, let, let's talk about, yeah, thank you, Barbara. Appreciate you. Um, let's talk about the uh, touring dispensaries. Yeah, that's been uh, one of our main focuses. Like when we come out here, again, we're people. I have nowhere, I don't know where to go. I pull open an app and I f- go, okay, I'm here. And you find out what's around you. But, and we've been to some really good top notch dispensaries. We've been to some dispensaries where the bud tender, I think, was. Uh, on more than weed and i was just like okay i'm all set here won't recommend this place but mm-hmm. i'm a very i have to like right off the bat you know kind of get the good vibe off of it but um we were just at jade yesterday yeah yesterday we actually had the opportunity to meet jim belushi which is awesome oh, wow. yeah, yeah so he jade just opened like 15 minutes from where we are it's the closest dispensary to us but that's what we do we went there i'm like oh haven't been here yet and there's a flyer right on the desk that says hey our grand openings on saturday Went down there on Saturday, met with Jim, talked with him, met a couple local people, and you just, it's... You know, Checking out all the different products that yeah. they have. Um, just supporting we, everybody, of, right. you know, helping each other with, like, if you've got papers or you've got edibles or you've got flour or whatever it may be, or you sell cards, whatever it is, is just, you know helping that community. Yeah. The cannabis community isn't just, you know, flower and bongs. It's so much more and it's everything and anything from, like I was saying, being able to drink it. If you're someone who doesn't want to smoke and, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who's in, you know, fitness, like we are, like we're, we're conscious of those things. So, you know, being able to do something like that or being able to sit in a bath and have a bath bomb and relax and know that you're getting it transferred. Oh, wow. Yeah. We'll hook you up. Don't we'll hook you it. up. We'll send you a bath bomb. But cool. it's like being able to find those companies that aren't just the big, huge businesses and corporations, the little guys, the people who have been doing this, you know, forever, the legacy, um, you know, owners of these small businesses who are making these bath bombs, who are, you know, making these beverages and their quality product and they're real and there's no added chemical of any sort or anything. Like I said, we just want to be able to share what is out there from everything and anything to meeting the pop brothers at law and and, and helping people who may have gotten pulled over because, you know, how to have it. What happens if you get pulled over? Tell the cops to shut the fuck up. I'm not discussing my day. Like things you can say that you don't even know you can say to not get yourself in trouble. Because let's be honest. I mean. Everybody at one point is driven drunk, driven stone, driven on pills, driven on something. Little buzz, whatever. And there's very rare percentage that is not driven on something in their life. That's all a fact. That's I mean, a you get pulled over that one day and you go, oh, fuck. Uh, like, I'm screwed. You got to know what to do. You, you got to know where to go, especially if you're from the East Coast. If you're coming out to California or Vegas to visit, you know, and you just got done smoking and you get pulled over because it stinks in your car and you're like, uh, I don't know where I am. What am I doing? Who do I call? It's, you know what I mean? That's, we're trying to, every avenue we can to, get the correct information to the right people of, Hey, we're coming out here. What do I do? Right. Interesting. What, um, what's your long-term goal for your business? What's your, what do you see yourself in five years? Five years. I mean, 
to be, I would love to have a standard show where it's hundreds of thousands of people or a million followers listening in that we just tune in every single day and they're like, all right, let's see what they're up to just to keep spreading the knowledge. Me personally, I would love to have a, and again, this isn't a perfect world. This may not even happen five years, might be 50 years with the way the government is. But, but we're anyway. going to manifest that shit. But yes, is to open a dispensary where it's for veterans only, where they come in with a card and they get free cannabis, they get free CBD. There'll be a pharmacy in there to turn in your painkillers, your heroin, crack, whatever it is. I don't care. We'll take it. That's my goal. And people listening to this are going, oh, yeah, that'll ever happen. Right now, yeah, it won't happen because people are naive and being dumb. But Eventually, it will happen because people are just dying off at the rapid rate like this. And that's maybe what they want. I don't know. But it's a very bad issue. And it's now coming to the surface that there's a serious problem. Yeah. And if this was just legalized federally, I mean, you have a whole different whole different ballpark. I'm more of, like I said, the big idea person. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that, you know thinks big and sets our goals um, at the highest. Because if you don't, I mean... I don't know. You just got to go for it. And with us, I just, yeah. And with us, I mean, cannabis is a revolution. Things are changing in this world. I say this shit all the fucking time. Schools, religion and churches, government, our media, all of these things are creating this chaos around us. And it's not just in this country. It's all over the world, right? Um, And so it's like, we are noticing how cannabis is healing ourselves on an individual level and have seen how cannabis is helping and healing others. And, you know, hemp is creating insulation for people's homes or, you know, it's cheaper than cotton and better for the environment than cotton. There's all these things that co- cannabis brings to the table. Not just, yeah. Yeah. That, jobs. Right. <laughs> that it's like, this us pothead parent we are not just targeting you know other moms and dads only we're not just targeting that's like Derek we are not targeting you know just the kids who are just getting into drinking and maybe not liking it and wanting to start to get into psychedelics because they feel like it's more natural and healthier we are not just for those people we are for fucking everybody we want to be the parents who are guiding and helping everybody who is interested or wanting to know more because cannabis is healing children as well with you know cancer and illnesses and that is what this is it's much more that's that's dope that's dope what are you you guys doing uh community outreach wise for the uh vets right now Derek? That's what I'm trying to start. I mean, right now, again, I'm no bullshit. We just got here and I don't have anything. I'm just researching kind of what's around here and the actual places. Because you'll have places where a lot of people go and other places people that don't go. But I want to do whatever I can. If it's going there and just give these guys free stuff or just go in there and shoot the shit with them, talk to them, take them back here, get a cup of coffee, something. But just give them the information they're not going to get from the VA. And honestly, it's not like guys my age or even guys your age. It's, I mean, you got some old guys out there that are like crippled that I know for a fact, if they took even just CBD, not even weed or THC, oh, it changed your whole entire life. Just inflammation, arthritis and everything. But it's just from my athletic performance, I can't, you know, it definitely the CBD, you know, and I I spend so much money on supplements to take inflammation down. 
And the CBD is so much less expensive and you get Mm -hmm. so much better of an effect. And I I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. You know, I got shit just for inflammation that doesn't work as good as the CBD drops. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, tell me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of professional bodybuilders that, I mean, have cannabis in their regular, like, look, most, most bodybuilders smoke. Um, you know, I was surprised because I recently started my jujitsu journey. Oh, cool. know, and, and I would go to like one of the, I don't want to air anybody out because they may not yeah. want to, you know, but I went to one of the top places and, you know, I would go there every day and all of the guys would be right in front of the spot smoking yeah, up smoking. or right before they get on the mat, you know, because yeah. it helps with the inflammation. It prevents injuries, as they told me. And they're more in, um, you know, jiu-jitsu, I think, is one of the most cerebral uh, martial arts because you really have to think. Oh, it's a so, chess game. Yeah. It allows your mind. To just, chess, you have yeah. to be calm, you know, yeah. and uh, the calming effect you get from using CBD and cannabis enables these guys to be better jujitsu practitioners. So, yep. that, you know, that alone is the NBA. Forget about it. We're going to talk about that. Most of those. Oh, guys. yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. A, that's a no brainer. So a lot of people are not aware of uh, how much athletes uh, rely on cannabis for, to enhance their athletic performance, for sure. Oh, and yeah. really I mean, not to even mention CTE, like. I mean, this stuff could probably prevent a good amount of it, if not help with it. Instead, they just keep shooting these dudes up with shit. It's like, when is this going to stop? Like, I would rather watch a guy smoke a blunt on the sideline during a Bills game than them going to their tent and have it get covered. Like, what do you think Mm -hmm. we think is going on in there? We're not stupid. Like, come on now. But that shit's just, these guys are 30s and they're beat up bad. Like, they're torn to shit. Yeah, well, a big problem, you know, I think the biggest problem with that is that, you know, the government, the system profits off of the illness of the Americans, oh, you know, yeah. they have the cure and the, what, what do they say? Yeah. yeah, the cure and the, or the problem and the fix. Yeah. yeah. It's, but again, until they can figure out how to suck, you know, all the money out of cannabis, it's going to be illegal. They're just and, waiting to be ahead right. of the game of what they need to be yeah. in. Order again, to- my argument with anybody I've ever spoken to is it has never killed anybody. When it does, there will be one person that has died ever. I mean, how many people probably died of alcohol overdose or heroin overdose since we've oh, been man. talking well, for the last well, hour? Well, you know, alcoholism uh, withdrawal is the only one that you can die from, if I'm not correct. That's the only one that you can actually, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not 100%. Again, I'm no doctor. Yeah, I, I've, never I, I had, I've trained a couple of doctors, and they were like, you know, yeah. alcohol withdrawal is the only one where you oh, can yeah. die from, from yeah. kicking. It's advertised everywhere. You buy booze everywhere. And that's legal. It's, it's crazy yeah. to me. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like they want you to do it. It's just, you know, and th- that day will come eventually when it's legal federally. It, they have no choice because everybody is just Vermont, I think, just legalized it two days ago or yesterday. Yeah, they're, they're all legalizing. They're not going to have a choice. I mean, Canada, we were 15 minutes from Canada when we lived in Buffalo. The mm-hmm. whole entire country is legal. And you got New York down here. It's like, guys, it's seriously, like, what are we doing here? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. What? Um. Oh, yeah. If people want to get at you, how can they contact you, man, right now? The easiest way for us is on Instagram at Pothead Parent. Um, we're on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Facebook. What else am I forgetting? Pretty much you all your major email platforms. Us and then email we, us. We also have or, a website, and it's uh, potheadparent.com. Yeah. So we got a bunch of um, like our favorite stuff on there. We have merch on there, like hats and shirts and stuff. Um, but like, you know, pipes that we like, bongs, we like papers. Um, stuff like that but eventually we're going to have more like you know videos of us interacting on how to's and kind of stuff like that so yeah and i also do want to say that we do have a link so that you can donate um right through there to the last prisoner project as well um and look into them too they're um what's, the, what's that about last prisoner yeah, the project. condensed version is they 
get people out of prison that are in there for marijuana charges while we're all out here talking about it. And I'm going to go smoke a blunt five minutes after we talk about this. These guys are in jail for five years, life, 10 years, and they've been ruined. Their families ruined. It's just, it's disgusting. So that money's donated to get those guys out of prison. And we've actually, um, get in that later, but we had a honor of meeting a gentleman that was actually released from prison because of them. And he's one of the nicest dudes I've ever met in my life. He's actually a fellow jarhead too. So, um, but it's pretty wild. So they do some very good stuff, but check them out too. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, definitely the marijuana incarcerations, they've been devastating to the black community. More oh, so yeah. than, than any other community. Oh, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent, absolutely. So that that's definitely. Um, I'm appreciative of uh, what you're doing there. Shit's got to uh, change. Yeah, it's got to change, man. Um, did we hit everything? Is there anything else you want to cover before we keep uh, before we close it out? Anything you want to shout out? I think we uh, covered a broad. Oh, I want to know. I got a question. How's Derek's uh, salesperson game when he sold you the car? How'd that go down? Was he good? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I don't even remember this. How this went down, I know it to a T. He, you know, I was in actually Peru randomly. I end Mm -hmm. up meeting him when I come home because I needed a car. Mm -hmm. Uh, He sold me the car. Then the next day, you know, I wanted my dad to see it and everything. My dad sees it. He likes it because this is my very first car. I'm getting a loan. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met my future father. I didn't even know. Yeah. And so I'll never oh, forget. Too. My so dad funny. even said, he goes, that's the kind of guy you should be marrying. I'll never fucking wow. forget. Wow. I'm telling you, everything comes life. around. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, and like, well, how was he? How did he do it? He, did he walk you around? Was it smooth? Did he show you all the options? Oh, he, he showed me the car and everything, but he <laughs> actually... He was like engaged and I was in a committed relationship as well. And so it was business. It really Mm -hmm. was. He was really sweet and really nice. And then it wasn't until, you know, what, five, six, seven, eight years later, he slid into my DMs some random way and showed me a cool watch he had. And I asked him if he got it. I think I was drunk. This is why I don't drink. Yeah, (laughs) It was like the middle of the day, too. Yeah, he slid uh, right in and we started chatting and here we are. Here we are. We met face to face and literally we were like, it's so dorky. We're best friends. And now, and now you're at your uh, five year anniversary, you said? Yeah, Our coming up in two yeah. weeks. So yeah, five years and then we got two beautiful boys and knock on wood, I don't plan it anymore. So, but. Yeah. so you guys are done. You no more kids. You're done. That's the plan right now. I got to make Shop that appointment to get a close. So. I'm going to do it when if he doesn't get that shit scheduled. I knew Lorena Bobbitt on your hands over here. <laughs> and I got one more. What about, um? I keep hearing so much about uh, ayahuasca. It's oh. funny because I I almost um, did something like that. It's ayahuasca and then ibogaine. I guess they're kind of around the same. Like They apparently say one is ibogaine is better for males. Ayahuasca is better for females. I've never done it. Hmm. This is just what I've heard. But um, I actually talked to the doctor at the ketamine clinic about this. And he said it's a very dark experience like it's i've heard it's like a come to jesus experience like yeah, you I've see everything bad that you don't want to but mm-hmm. i've also heard that you're you should follow it up with um i guess it's like three dmt which apparently you take after that which is supposed to give you all the answers to all the bad shit you saw i've right. never done that for me right now i think that's too intense for me that's why i'm doing the therapy that i'm doing now and it's 
working pretty good. I have to go tomorrow at noon. So when I was in Peru, um, there were some guys that were in because I went during college, and there were some guys that were in the school that I was in, and they did the Inca Trail and then went and did ayahuasca out in the rainforest. And I'll never forget them coming back and talking about it and it being a very enlightening moment for them. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm huge hippie. I like all that kind of stuff. Um, I loved the ketamine treatment that we did, um, that I would definitely be interested in doing that. The ketamine treatment. What was that? What's the cost on that? Is it very expensive? Uh, it depends. You can get a mask, you can get a shot or an IV, which is good because don't mind the tattoos. I hate needles. I mean, if I'm that jacked up and I see a needle, I'm going to tweak. So I did the gas mask. She just did the shot. Uh, it's like four or five hundred bucks every time you go. It's not cheap, but again, I at the point That's where I've done everything. Right. We spend care. all this money on other fucking garbage. Yeah, like, we need to realize that we need to like put money into our health, and that goes like all around mental, mental health, health as well. Your brain's not clean; it's the rest of your body. Yeah, and we've all been through some fucking shit with this COVID stuff and all the mm -hmm. stuff in the last couple of years, and everyone is stressed out. Suicide rates are at their highest, like he said, and it's not just you know, it, it's everybody. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, everybody's gone through shit, and you know, I think these alternative forms of therapy is, is, are worth really missing. You know, you have to explore what system is going to work for you. And people listening to this who don't do drugs or never had any experience with drugs, they're going to be like, oh, my God, they do this, they do that, they do that. Just yeah. take a look at how many yeah. drugs are in the food that you're consuming that you yeah. don't know about or don't care about. Or as a doctor, Red gives 40, you a it's okay to yeah. take it. You just take it and don't even think about it. So okay. I, just try, I want to encourage people who are watching this to have an open mind. <laughs> that's all we ask you don't have to yeah. like us or want to do it but just listen that's it like i used to be a closed-minded yeah. person you couldn't get i was like cement but things again change and yeah. brains are a crazy thing we all just need to evolve hey, well, when, when you guys come back to la so we can show i will actually be there uh, two weeks i think yeah a couple of weeks yeah, 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 definitely holler at me let's let's get together yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. Definitely. i would yeah. love that we would love to see you absolutely all right. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Derek. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. This was uh, so informative for me, and I'm sure the viewers got got a lot out of it. But thank you. Thank you again for having us. Oh yeah, stay on. I'm going to outro. Any last <laughs> words? Any parting shots for entrepreneurs or anybody you want to reach? You got it. It forms you. Dan, just piece of advice. I mean, again, this is we're 60 days in. We are. Not famous, no millionaires, no nothing. But you want to start your own business, you got to do it. You can sit there and talk about it. You, you've just got to do it. If you say, well, I don't have this, I don't have that, figure it the fuck out. And if not, maybe it's not for you. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. But being an entrepreneur, you got to have that set of cojones to do it. So that's my piece of advice. Cool. All right, fam, Anabolic Mind audience, go check out the pothead parents they're in nevada 60 days they need some support they're out there helping the vets and helping other people with all types of disorders and uh, ailments so support my fam pothead parents <laughs>